Facebook means but one thing. It is Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Tonight, doing what we do, that means taking talking to you as we break down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, The Wolf Inside. Join us right now by clicking on the Zoom meeting link from your PC or Mac. That link is right there above and below this video. You can also call us at 669-900-6833 from your phone and type in the meeting code that you'll see on the screen in that link. You can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. Remember, those numbers change from week to week. Don't commit them to memory. Talking and taking are two things that we do every Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, we also do a poll, though. We we start the poll oh about a week before, and then we let it go for about a week, and then we kick over into a new one. Uh, last week's poll, who will be the last one standing, Ash, Tyler, or Vok? Those were the questions. Who will be the last one standing, Ash, Tyler, or Vok? Uh, Ash, Tyler won last week. uh, Vok, uh, 36%. That, by the way, makes 100%. Don't bother checking it. I already did. Uh, Of course, we have a new poll this week, John. Yes, we do. And by the way, you know, worth pointing out and worth remembering that uh, last week when you posed that poll question, that was before we knew that there was another Vok. And that was sort of posed as a question to say, which personality will be dominant, you know, who who will remain in the end. So this week, kind of a follow-up question to that, have we seen the last of Ash Tyler? Now, I know, I know what you're thinking. Well, we, we, we saw him right there. Well, no, that's, that's not exactly what we're asking. Have we seen the last of the personality that is Ash Tyler, the Ash Tyler that we all know and love, or at least Michael Burnham knows and loves? So right now we are at... for no and 6% for yes. So 94% of the people who have voted in that poll think that we have seen the last of Ash Tyler. Wait, 94%? Not seen the last of Ash Tyler. I'm going to get that right. It's, you know, it's a yes or no question. It's very, very (laughs) complex to have a binary position like that. Yes. You got, you got 57 minutes, dude. So mm-hmm. I'm somewhere get in there, yeah. I would imagine we'll hit it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, right now you are either watching or listening to Mission Log Live. Don't ask me how I know. I just do. But don't forget each week you can find our video a couple of places if you happen to not catch us live. Uh, on Facebook, uh, we are at Mission Log Pod. So it's facebook.com slash Mission Log Pod is where you can watch the video if you don't catch it live. Or you can also go to the YouTube channel for the Roddenberry Network. That is youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. Roddenberry Prod for all your prodding needs. Mm-hmm. If you prefer something more downloadable, something audio only, we make that happen in the middle of the night when decent people are sleeping. Uh, very soon after this video is done, we will upload the audio only version into its very own podcast feed. You can find that and subscribe to it uh, wherever you find and subscribe to podcasts. iTunes, just search for Mission Log Live. Other places, just search for Mission Log Live. You can also go to podcast.roddenberry.com where you can find this show and the regular Mission Log. Um, Plus, we also have Women at Warp there and Priority One and uh, other stuff coming soon. One last thing I'm going to ask of you, if you are watching on Facebook right now, um, even if you're watching later right now, uh, go ahead and hit the like button if you would. Hit the share button if you would as well, because uh, liking is fun and sharing is caring, which I think was a Care Bears thing. (laughs) 
That's, that's beautiful of you to say, Ken. Now we're going to get to the meaty center of the show in just a moment, but but I, I want to tell our listeners about a, a new thing. Kind of new, kind of kind of not new because we have had t-shirts before, but kind of new because we have awesome new designs on our t-shirts and, and mugs and uh, phone cases and stickers. I'm a big fan of the stickers. So remember this URL, tpublic, that's T-E-E, tpublic.com slash users slash mission log. So we've got a guy. I mean, everybody's got a guy, but we got a guy, too. Our guy is named Carl, and Carl made us, at Ken's request, the Ditalics Mining Corporation shirt a couple of years ago, and now he is back with a vengeance. He is just doing all kinds of cool design work for us. So um, go check it out again uh, at tpublic.com slash users slash mission log. You will find all kinds of clever stuff there, like... Uh, Bonk, bonk on the head since 1966. Uh, Nova Squadron, which is um, kind of poignant if you think about it. Um, old favorites, too, like Cool as Kirk. Uh, of course, our, our triumvirate, our three ethos, pathos, logos. So um, Carl's designs are amazing. And by supporting him and his design work, you are supporting our show. So throw us a buck or two, throw him a buck or two. And you will be able to rock out with some Mission Log t-shirts that you will not find anywhere else. tpublic.com slash users slash Mission Log. Now, in a moment, we will be opening up the lines for your comments and questions. But before we do that, what if we all catch up on what happened in this week's episode of Discovery, huh? What do you think about that? Well, I'm excited. So, Ken, if you would please recap the wolf inside. I would be happy to, John. Mirror universe or not, day-to-day work still has to be done aboard Discovery. It's doing a bit of electrical work that someone finds whatever Paul Stamets has become sitting, muttering about the forest, the trees, almost being able to see him, and cradling the lifeless body of Dr. Culber. Cut to ISS Shenzhou, where Michael Burnham is having a tough time. Everything is ugly, evil. Everything is full of fear like Captain Burnham's nameless Kelpian slave. Eventually, she'll give him a name. She'll call him Saru, in honor of a respected friend. Burnham worries that seeing over-real atrocities to imitate the mirror, Burnham will lead to her losing herself. All of this, she's confided, in bed, to Ash Tyler. She thanks him for this moment of goodness. Each Each says they are the other's tether to whom they actually are. Alone again, Burnham hears from Discovery. She tells the actual Saru that she's got data on the Defiant, but she can't decipher it here, and it's too big to send electronically. Saru tells her that she'll have to find a way. With communication broken, Saru and Tilly discuss Stamets state and whether they should have told Burnham about Culber's murder. Tilly says Stamets didn't do it. Though his body may have, but his brain is scrambled. Paul Stamets is not a killer. Arguing that this is a spore issue, not a medical issue, Tilly asked to take over Stamets care. And Saru agrees. On the bridge of the ISS Shenzhou, new orders from the Emperor. They found the location of the Firewolf, the Klingon leader of the Resistance. Burnham is to go to Harlak and kill them all. The Emperor commands it. Burnham's first officer preps photon torpedoes, though Burnham cancels that order. She tells her crew that she will go down to the surface and get as much intel as possible on the resistance, enough to bury them once and for all. Of course, that's not her real goal. Really, she wants to find out how a Klingon, steeped in pride and separatism, is working with Andorians and Vulcans and Tellarites. 
Lorca tells Burnham to carry out the Emperor's orders, though eventually she talks him out of that course of action and into hers. Stamets' treatment under Tilly seems to be going well. Uh, then it stops going well. Then he dies. Like, dies. Burnham and Tyler's mission to Harlock seems to be going poorly. Then it goes well. Attacked almost immediately, Burnham and Tyler put down their weapons, asked to speak to the Firewolf, and are taken into custody. They're also taken to the Resistance base. There, Mirror Sarek, you can tell he's Mirror Sarek because of his goatee, he's working with the Firewolf, who you might recognize as Vok. Sarek mind melts with Burnham and tells Mirror Vok that she really means them no harm. She's full of something Sarek never thought he would find in a human. Compassion. She gets to ask her a question. How is a Klingon working with and leading many other races? Mirror Vok says they had a common enemy. They had to work together. None of this sits well with Vok Prime, who you may recognize as Ash Tyler. He knows who he is now, or was then, and he tries to kill Mirror Vok, but he's no match. Burnham and Mirror Sarek stop Mirror Vok from killing the other, though. Now she tells the Resistance to beat it. Like, get off this planet. It's going to be reduced to dust in one hour. They also give her intel on rebel bases, proving that her away mission was a success, though all of those bases will be abandoned by the time the intel is deciphered by the Terrans. Back aboard the Shenzhou, Burnham quizzes Tyler on what the hell is going on. Why is he cracking up? Ash tells Michael that he feels something for Laurel. He wants to be human. For Michael. But he's not. And seeing Mirror Vok brought it all back. Who he is. Why he is really on the discovery. He was a Klingon. Vok turned human by Lorel. He's there to infiltrate. For the Klingon Empire. Burnham doesn't want to believe it, though he tells her something that only Vok would know. Something about the fight they had on the beacon ship. Then he tries to kill Burnham, though he's stopped by the Kelpian slave. Taken into custody, Tyler is to be beamed into space, a standard Terran Empire execution. Of course, Burnham pulls a switcheroo, saying she wants to push the button on Tyler herself. She does transport into the cold emptiness of space. Then he's transported again to the Discovery. There he tells Saru that they should have let him die, with honor. But Saru says no. They're still Starfleet, and he will be treated humanely. Also, had they let him die, they'd have not gotten the information on the Defiant, which Burnham planted on Tyler's body. Is there anything else? Oh, yes. Stamets' vitals start again. And in his mind, maybe? On another plane, maybe? We see Paul Stamets talking to Mirror Universe Stamets in a forest of spores. Mirror Stamets says, it's time for them to get to work. That is a lot of surprises. Now here's the big one. A ship drops out of warp and destroys Harlock from space. No way the rebels had time to escape. While that is a surprise, it's not the surprise. We finally see the Emperor, angry that stated orders to destroy Harlock were not followed. The Emperor is Mirror Universe, Philip Georgiou. Surprise! Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Indeed. That was an epic re- recap uh, of, uh, of an epic show. A lot of plot. A lot of plot to get through. Well done. Yeah. There was yeah. a ton in that episode. There was. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Now, by the way, this is part of the show where we start to invite all of our friends and listeners and followers to join in with their comments and questions. We want to hear from you. You can click that link to join the Zoom meeting. You can call us. Uh, all you have to do is pick up your phone and call 669-900-6833 and enter in that meeting code and you can talk to us. Um, we do have a couple of people who are saying hi right now in the Facebook chat. I want to say hi back to Matthew Corey, uh, Benji Stanley, Todd, Meredith, Heather, Mark, Brett, so many people. Great to see you all here with us. And Matthew asked if we have a guest scheduled this week. No, we don't. So uh, that guest is you. Uh, maybe you in particular, and maybe all of you. <laughs> so click on that link, call in, and our fabulous technical director will patch you through to us. So, um, Ken. <laughs> yes, John. Um, a lot happened in this show, and I wanted to kind of kick things off. Now, normally you and I take notes, and, and we kind of refer to those notes throughout if we, if we feel like we need to. But this was a jam-packed episode, and I pulled a comment from a listener that I wanted to read on air because I thought it would really kickstart our conversation tonight. Mm -hmm. This is from Jason Smith in Japan. So he's not watching live, but he will hear this tomorrow. And he, uh, he sent in this question earlier. He said, man, this episode, an ongoing complaint about discovery has been that it seems to lack the heart and hope of star Trek. Well, this episode just gave us a big old heaping serving of it. I don't think Trek has ever said so clearly the choice for us as humans is for us to give into the fear or give into compassion. One leads us to the Terran Empire, the other the United Federation of Planets. Mira Sarek pretty much stated it. The potential, the species, bound by human compassion. Mira Vox Alliance was due to a common enemy. The Federation is bound by a common goal or ideal, compassion. And that dovetails so nicely with how peace was made with the Klingons, Star Trek VI, Yesterday's Enterprise. It just all clicked in beautifully. And if that is not a Star Trek bonk-bonk-on-the-head message, a la Gene Roddenberry, I don't know what is. I do have an actual question for Ken. Okay, so now I'm putting you on the spot, Ken. Okay. Last week, you said that you liked Discovery, but we're having a hard time figuring out who to pull for. Given Michael's standing up to Lorca about hope and the need for it, and Saru's response to Vok that even in the mirror universe, they are still Starfleet and he, Vok, will be treated under the laws and principles of the Federation. Does that still hold true for you? Um, well, I think you actually said last week that we're obviously pulling for Michael Burnham because she's our hero. Um, she's the person that we're following and certainly want to see redemption for her. Mm -hmm. I guess, I mean, I guess the thing is, I'm always hoping for i'm always hoping for the best it's I'm trying to think of the best way to put it the only way the klingons find peace is if they have a common enemy it reminds me of something that you and i have talked about before with things like uh, the watchman um the the, the graphic novel mm -hmm. we find peace in the watchman theoretically although in the end it looks like it's going to be taken apart but we find peace in thinking that there's going to be a common enemy i love the message of of we can all work together and we can all do better. And yes, I love the fact that Saru is saying that. And I love the fact that Michael Burnham is saying that. 
I'm still having the problem of we don't really understand this Starfleet that we're in. I mean, we don't understand Lorca's place in that. Now, it's possible that Lorca's from the mirror universe. I mean, he doesn't seem he's not clean. And while I don't necessarily want everybody to be up and up Boy Scouts, I do want to know who the good guys are when I watch Star Trek. Battlestar Galactica, it was kind of neat when you didn't know what was going to happen, right? You didn't know who was who. We didn't know if we liked Stamets at the beginning. I personally hoped that we were going to like Stamets, but he was really a terrible character for the first couple of episodes that he was on. And he warmed up and he became a much more better, he became a more fully realized character, I would say. Um, I think that's kind of my that's kind of what I was talking about. It's not like I'm pulling for the Klingons or I'm pulling for the Federation. I think I just, when it comes to Star Trek, I want a tiny bit more delineation of who my good guys are, as opposed to having to spend, what are we on week 11 now? Yeah. Having to spend week 11 doing the whole mind bleepery thing of not knowing, Oh, is this, this, is this, that what's going on week 11? I want to know what's (laughs) going on by week 11 and not, I mean, not to, not that I want to be spoon fed, but I think I go to, I think I go to Battlestar Galactica for one thing and I go to Star Trek for another, generally speaking. Well, well, do you think what Jason is opposing here holds holds water? I mean, he he's saying that this week, the message for him, the bonk bonk on the head message was Burnham and particularly Saru saying, no, this is who we are and mm-hmm. we will stick by those principles no matter how tough things go. Week one, we heard Captain Georgiou say, we're Starfleet, we don't fire first. Mm-hmm. Week 11, we hear Saru say something that is very Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Tell me what's been said between weeks two and weeks 10 that are as openly and blatantly Star Trek as what happened in week one and what happened in week 11. And oh. bear in mind, for doing that in week one, uh, Philippa Georgiou ended up dead. Yeah, well, it, you got nine other uh, episodes of our show you can go back and listen to. We'll, we'll, we'll put that <laughs> Well, no, and don't misunderstand me. I mean, I, I, as, as the question began, I do love discovery. And I love when there are things like Saru's speech tonight. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's just not, it's not quite as clear cut as I tend to. Star Trek has been a beacon. Mm-hmm. And and now Star Trek is a beacon. It is a light hidden under a bushel for some episodes, mm-hmm. right? It'll eventually be a beacon. I do believe that, but I'm not sure how I feel about not knowing how I feel about my main characters <laughs> 10 or 11 episodes on. Hey, very quickly, uh, Heather asked, question of the day, would you have guessed that Tyler was Vok or that the Empress was Giorgio had you not been influenced by social media? Well, I did guess both without uh, being influenced by social media, so I'd say yes. Okay. <laughs> what about you, John? What about you? I, no, you know what? I, the the thing about Georgia as the emperor, I, I felt like just from a storytelling, just from a scripting point of view, the fact that they kept it hidden and they would only say the emperor and we never see the emperor, we don't know the emperor's name, mm-hmm. we knew it had to be a major character. And the only yeah. major character that I think we really wanted to see again was Philippa Giorgio, because <laughs> I, I, I know I did, because I love Michelle Yeoh, and I wanted her back in some form or another. Really? So, you, didn't, you didn't want to see Harry Mudd be the emperor of the, nope, uh, nope, of the Terran really, Empire? Not oh, at least, no. Yes. Uh, but the, the, the thing with Vok, um, yeah, you know, I, I think when we were first introduced to Ash Tyler, I didn't want to believe that that was Vok. 
Because I thought, here's this new, interesting character. Um, And and believe me, I I still think the whole interplay is interesting. I love what they did with Mirror Vok versus Ash Tyler. That's opening up a whole whole different kind of character thing we haven't seen before. Um, Yeah, I think maybe as soon as I started reading about it on social media, I was like, yeah, this, this is happening. The one thing I didn't expect was, I mean, like, I remember thinking initially, wait, they, they physically turned him into Ash Tyler. That's lame. And I thought, oh, well, maybe they, you know, put his personality over it. And I think I liked that more. And mm. now that I found out that, no, they actually physically turned him into it. Yeah. Then I'm like, eh, well, I mean, I mean, certainly they've made that graphic enough that I have no problem believing that they can do it because right. man right. alive, that's like watching horrifying. That, that's, that's worse than, that's worse than psycho ever was certainly. And, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, I haven't seen the saw movies. I'm assuming they're a little bit worse, <laughs> but I can only imagine them being a tiny little bit worse. Hey, we do have a video caller. We have Andrew waiting for us. So I'd uh, love to bring Andrew into the conversation and see what he has to say about this week's episode, The Wolf Inside. Hey, guys. How you doing? Very good, Andrew. Doing well, how man. How are you? I am doing well. Um, first, I wanted to just say, love Mission Log. Really appreciate all the work that you guys are doing. You put in the hours and it shows. In the, it just shows. It's, it's a fantastic oh. show. Um, secondly, I wanted to disagree with you, Ken, really quick. If you watch the first and second season of, of TNG, there's two really gruesome moments. First in conspiracy and second in t- transfigurations that may have been season three where the dude's whole side of his head is like off his body. And he just, he's just it's I'm sorry. pretty, I'm, pretty gross. I believe you're referring to Remick's head debris. Yeah. Remix head debris. Ching, ching. Yes. That's the, yeah, first, one. the, the Foundation. first one. Yeah. And the second one was in that, that, that guy. It, it's, it's, I'll, I'll send you an email. Well, so, no, I mean, the, here's the thing though. I mean, going really quickly. I mean, they do a fantastic thing in all of those clips. We don't actually know what it is we're seeing. It's red and it's messy and there are true. blades and something's obviously being cut. I mean, but you would be hard pressed to say what's actually happening in those shots. It's mm-hmm. just, with the quick cuts and the sound and just the general ugliness of what's on screen. Um, mm-hmm. It strikes me as uh, more horrific. Remix head debris is just hilarious to me. <laughs> maybe it shouldn't be. And maybe that makes me sick, yeah. but you know, well, it, they're, they're doing a really good job of making it pretty much straight up gore. But I think that mm-hmm. this show, there are some payoffs. And the one payoff you get with that is you do get to see this kind of side of Ash Tyler with his PS- PTSD, which is a very interesting side to show that Star Trek has really never explored in depth. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I worry about. And I wanted to get your opinion on this is, you know, you ask the question, will we see Ash Tyler again? And I think the way that I interpret that question is, are we going to see the character of Tyler again? Not so much the person, that body that may have changed from mm-hmm. Vok to Tyler. I say, are we going to see Tyler again? And right. I hope we do, because I want to see that thread of that kind of riddled mind carry through the season, because the show's all about redemption. It's all about arcs. And if we do see Tyler, who's going to bring him back? So I'm going to throw it to you guys. I have a lot in there. Yeah, uh, well, I, I think they're kind of uh, clearly they're building up this relationship between Michael Burnham and Ash Tyler, at least the the personality of Ash Tyler that has been created for Vok. And and we're, we're sort of left with an, you know, Anakin versus Darth Vader thing. It, will, will that good part of him 
actually ultimately triumph. Um, and whether he does or doesn't, what does that mean for Michael Burnham? We found out earlier in the season that Michael Burnham has never been in love before. And this is a tragic side to her character. That, that's really upsetting. And now we present her with this really fascinating potential for a relationship. Uh, but he's also our mortal enemy. Um, so I, yeah, I guess you also have to ask yourself, well, if the Ash Tyler personality reemerges, that's not really Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler is some other guy somewhere. This mm-hmm. Ash Tyler is the construct that Laurel created and implanted into Vok. But did Laurel do too good a job? You know, will, will that personality ultimately win mm-hmm. because reasons <laughs> that's actually that's actually been a question that i've had too i mean like we've been thinking this whole time that all of these terrible things happened to ash tyler mm-hmm. um i assume that there was an ash tyler at some point and that he's dead that he was you know lost in whatever battle or maybe he was killed by the klingons who knows but has anything bad really happened to ash tyler since there isn't one anymore i mean everything that's happened to them so laurel and and vok got together and said right here's what we're going to do and what they decided to do involved basically either making up or recreating a guy right so you talk about the ptsd thing and on the one hand you're right that's not something that star trek has ever covered except ash tyler doesn't exist he's not real so when you talk about the ptsd was that ptsd or was that the Ash Tyler engram or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, fighting for dominance, but he, but he doesn't exist. I mean, that, which is, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, which doesn't really answer the question you asked. <laughs> yeah, no, but that, that's a good point. I mean, it, it's kind of like asking, you know, data, are you sentient? Like, are, you know, are you real? Like, do, you know, I don't know. But um, right. one of the things I just, me, I just, I just, I just really, wanted to add though, one of the things I do hope that they, they don't like the one thing that about this show that I do, I do have to say is a lot of these reveals have been very obvious. So it would, to me, it would seem like a very obvious path to go down where Ash Tyler reemerges in some situation where he has to save Burnham and says, I was always going to protect you, you know? And I think it's good storytelling, but it just seems like a lot of those reveals have happened and they're very obvious and it kind of happens at the wrong times overall love the show, but I, I don't know. I just, some, things about that yeah well i will say i was really glad that we finally got that reveal that burnham finally got that reveal if it was going to be another two weeks or three weeks if it was going to be up to the last episode where we found out that he was vonk oh god i like like the fact that it's now a thing that we're dealing with openly as as opposed to all of us who have been dealing with it online going do you think he is i think he is i'm not sure i like the fact that everybody knows now um because that really, that honestly gives you more time to really explore the character in a way, to explore that question. I, I, one of the things that reminded me of, you mentioned you know, the whole thing about, you know, trying to decide whether data is sentient. It reminded me a lot of measure of a man, like, mm-hmm. like this guy, except this wasn't something that was created by Starfleet. This was just some, he's a guy. He's not real. He doesn't exist, mm-hmm. but he is a guy and he does exist in, in very real ways. Um, whether or not, what do we have, like four episodes left? I don't know if there's enough time to really get into that before the season wraps up, but, you know, 
nothing says he's done at the end of this season either, I don't guess. Hey, let me pose a question really quickly here while I've got you both. Um, There's this guy who who watches our show and he kind of won't leave us alone ever. It's Rod something. And uh, he he poses the question, who do you like better, Ash Tyler or Mirror Vok? So a little bit of a loaded question there. Um, oh, Vok, hands down. Yeah, Mira Vok. Okay. Hands down. <laughs> okay. He is, right. he, I mean, he believes in something, you know. I, I, I would, you, yeah. you could say the same about the Vok-Tyler combo, you mm-hmm. know, but, but this, the, the Vok and the Mirror universe, like bringing people together, it's that little seed of a revolution that Burnham was talking about. I mean, what do they call him? Like the fire, bur- the fire breather or something? I can't even remember. It just seems he like a the, cool dude. The, well, he's he's the fire wolf in this, but wasn't he the yeah. torch bearer originally? Hmm. I think that he was, we'll call he was him made... the wolf bearer from that. <laughs> no, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's interesting, actually, is Mirror Universe Vok did say that he had united the Klingons. I mean, it's, it happens really quickly just before uh, Ash Tyler attacks him. But he, he says that the, that the Klingons stand together and that's how they're able to work with everyone else. So the power I mean, of love. <laughs> right. nice. or, or, way, fear, Rod, or fear of something bigger or fear yeah uh rod says uh his, his uh preference is the uh the the redeemed character which is mirror Vok, uh that he, he has more redeeming qualities there sad he's and i will say one thing would do you guys think it would have made more sense to have chris obi come back and be the firewolf i just don't mm. i get why they had Vok, but mm-hmm. don't you think i've been kind of cool they brought back you know, Philippa Giorgio to be the evil empress and they bring back um, uh, Takuvma to be the guy who unites the houses and is fighting for good. I just think that would have made a little more sense. I, hmm. I, I, well, but you need it to be Vok, don't you? Because we've been dealing with Vok on the uh, Discovery well, the whole time. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, hey, a- Andrew, thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, we've got another caller waiting here and no uh, some business to take care of. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll see you next time. Hey, by the way, Ken, before we go to that next caller and or do our business, um, just a, a quick kind of kind of binary question again here. Uh, Benji says, guys, I have a question. Uh, what was your take on the updated Andorians and Tellarites we saw this week in comparison with the updated Klingons? Uh, love the updated Andorians. Uh, not a big fan of the updated Tellarites. I mean, yeah. just really simply, they sort of, they lost some definition in a way to me. Yeah. They could just as easily be Reavers from, um, from Firefly as they yeah. are Tellarites. I, I thought the Andorian looked absolutely Awesome. He looked a lot yes. like that Enterprise era Andorian, like like a Shran, you know. Uh, the Tellarite, uh, which we did have reimagined Tellarites on Enterprise, but the, this one he just looked like he'd been beat up quite a bit, and maybe that was the whole point. <laughs> like <laughs> so. like Meatloaf circa seventy seven on a mm-hmm. bad night. Yeah, yeah, around yeah. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be the singer, not the not the food. Right. Uh, we do have a, a phone caller coming up in just a moment, but it is, uh, it is the time of the show where we take care of a tiny bit of, uh, of business. As you say, uh, uh, words from our good friends at Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek discovery starships collection. Uh, probably if you're watching this, you're a fan of discovery. Maybe you're a fan of the ship itself. Well, uh, you've got that ship and a whole bunch of other ships uh, uh, sailing your way. Uh, thanks to the good people at Eagle Moss. 
Yeah. So uh, you've heard us talk about the Shenzhou and the Discovery, but a lot more ships are joining the fleet. Seven Federation ships are on the way, including the USS Corella, the Jaeger, and the Europa, as well as five Klingon vessels, including the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey. And you ready for this, Ken? You ready? Mm-hmm. Class destroyer. <laughs> That's yeah, you, yeah, not yeah, I, not not bad, sir. Thank you, thank you. So um, all of those are coming, and uh, really important to point out that um, remember these ships are coming directly from the VFX files that they create for Discovery. There is no such thing as a more accurate version of the Discovery ships than what Eagle Moss is preparing for you. Now, we can tell you about them all day long, and if you're watching the video, you're actually seeing uh, some shots of some of them right now. But if you want to take a closer look, uh, eaglemoss.com slash starships. You go there, and you will see the renderings that serve as the basis for the diecast models themselves, uh, painstakingly reproduced, as always, under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. These ships are officially authorized by CBS Studios. They're 8 to 10 inches long. They're hand-painted. They're rich in detail. And they're just, um, well, they're drool-worthy, I think. And, of course, because John will, will chastise me if I don't mention them, uh, you get the magazines, of course, that tell you all about the ships, both in our universe and in the Star Trek universe, and you get the really cool stands uh, to set your ships upon. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. By the way, uh, we, we have a listener actually saying that you cannot wait for the Shenzhou to ship to them. Mm-hmm. And yes, agreed. Uh, so... I do love those stands. I love the magazines and I love those ships. So if you would like to get in on this, here's what you do. Subscribers will get their first ship, which is a USS Shinjo NCC 1227 for only $9.95 with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC 1031, will then ship monthly for a special subscriber's price of only $44.95 each. That's 20% off the standard retail price, also with free shipping. Now, if subscribing is not your thing, you can actually pick and choose the ships that you want. Uh, for that, you go to shop.eaglemoss.com, or you can check your local comic book shop, actually, because they might turn up in shops near you. Are you going to pay about 10 bucks more if you do that? But saving money isn't the only reason to subscribe. Uh, subscribers also get free gifts worth over $100 during their subscription. And then if you decide to subscribe and change your mind, you can, of course, cancel your subscription at any time. So to subscribe, you're going to go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. To buy individually, you'll go to shop.eaglemoss.com. And a huge thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. Uh, And let's see, we actually have uh, Ian here saying hello from the UK. Love the show. Hate the time difference. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. We're doing what we can. We're doing what we can. Yeah. The, the answer, Ian, is move. Yeah, I, apparently. That's really the best we can do. Hey, as long as you're up, though, do us a favor, please. Uh, hit share, hit like, because, you know, there might have been some people when we hit share earlier who, uh, who weren't on Facebook yet, uh, people unlike me who don't live there. So uh, anybody who's uh, liking what we're doing, if you go ahead and hit that and, and do the sharing thing, golly, that would be just swell. 
Yeah. So remember, you can join us by clicking on that link to the Zoom meeting. You can also give us a call if you like on your uh, your old fashioned or your newfangled telephone. Uh, just use that number that we have listed there and also type in the meeting code to join us. And I believe we have Matt, who is ready to join us. Matt, are you there, sir? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. How are you, Matt? I'm great. How are you all tonight? Doing, Doing okay. Well. Yeah. What's on your mind? Everyone's at, everyone always asks that. It's one of those things. Sorry, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> but you meant Oh, it. wow. Meant okay, it. so you... Oh, no, Matt, no, Matt listens to a show that I used to do because that was a rule on another show that I did. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Somebody you asks ask how you Henry are. You how he's doing. He's going to tell you. Uh, Nobody cares. <laughs> that, that, is, that is what the answer used to be on that show, I think. Anyway, what, what is on your mind tonight, sir? Um... I was, you know, they finally had the big reveal, the Vok Ash Tyler thing. I was kind of bummed because Ash Tyler was this great character. I mean, I, I, he was so good in the uh, the magic to make the sanest man go bad episode. And now it's like, oh, we're not going to, are we going to see that guy anymore? Or is it just going to be now he's like constantly fighting the uh, the two sides of the personality or you know, did, did we end up meeting Mirror Universe Ash Tyler and bringing him back or something like that? Oh, well, Mirror Universe Ash Tyler is actually kind of an interesting idea. I know it's been done, not with Ash Tyler, but it's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that kind of gets back to our poll question. You know, have we seen the last of Ash Tyler? And by asking that, what are we asking? Are we asking about this this uh, personality overlay that has gone on to the... Um, the surgically altered Vok. Are we talking about the real Ash Tyler that might be out there somewhere? Or now, Matt, you're, you're posing this interesting idea of a mirror Ash Tyler. So, so who knows? Who knows? I mean, I, I look at it from a production point of view. They, they have this talented actor in a popular role on a popular show. Why would you want to just get rid of him right away? Um, yeah. You know. I'll tell you something. Let me, let me throw this out to you guys. And John, I don't remember if I've talked to you about this or not, mm-hmm. uh, but something that I've been wondering about, we keep talking about either Ash Tyler or Vok. We did it in last week's poll. We did it in this week's poll as well as kind of a binary proposition. Mm-hmm. I, I've sort of started to wonder what if he could end up being like a seven of nine? Like what if in next season we have neither Vok nor Ash Tyler, mm-hmm. but we still have, um, Shazad Latif walking around playing the character. I hope I got his name right. Mm-hmm. We still have we still have that actor walking around playing a character that we've sort of known that we've come to know. He's not a completely known quantity anymore because he is a, he's a combination. He's an amalgam of these two things that are wildly different. Um, I've kind of wondered about that. If there's a way that if there's a way that we we hold the actor uh, somehow lose both characters and yet gain more from both of them at the same time. Hmm. That, that I just don't a, want to see this. Be- okay, I'm sorry, John. No, 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 please. You, you're the guest. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I don't want to, this to become like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing with uh, Grant Ward, where you mm. know he went from being a good guy and then we discovered he's really a bad guy. And then it's, <laughs> you know, it's constantly there. there's like a season long thing of we're going to kill Ward. We're going to get Ward. And then they finally do kill Ward. And then he comes back as like the Hydra monster. And, you know, I yeah. liked the actor. I had nothing against the actor, but it's just like, okay, how much longer are we going to keep this ward thing up? You know, it, it's so funny that you bring that up because I, I had a I had a moment from that episode of Agents of Shield this week when I was watching it when 
that episode where, uh, and spoilers, by the way, for anybody who was planning on watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. someday, because I think this was about two seasons ago now. I was I was sitting there watching that episode saying, I just cannot wait until they kill this character. And then when they killed the character, yeah. I was completely freaked out that they killed the character. So in this episode of Discovery, when Burnham flips the switch and, and sends Ash Tyler into the cold depths of space, I remember thinking, well, obviously she's sending him to Discovery. And then we see him out in space. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, she did that. Well, and of course, she, she didn't do that. But I did have that moment of like, I was honestly, part of me, and I don't feel good about this, especially how much I say I want Star Trek to show us the better parts of ourselves. Dark part of me is there. When I thought that she had sent him into space, I was like, good yeah <laughs> right <laughs> which i don't feel great about but um yeah well, it's funny uh, dave in our uh, facebook chat here says beaming people into open space has got to be the most brutal execution ever in trek uh yeah it seems seems a little although i don't know it's a little quicker than being in an agonizer booth uh for an extended period of time but well that uh, won't kill you though that just leaves you in agony well, apparently it, it could kill you. It could, but you got a lot of agony to go through first. Yeah, that's true. If you turn it to 11, I think if you, you do, do yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Rick says, uh, did poor Arnie Darvin have to go through the same horrific transformation process as Vok so he could poison some tribbles? <laughs> that's, I, you think about that. We're not going to get that kind of flashback in TOS. No. <laughs> they didn't get that dark in the trouble with Tribbles. No. No, no, just, they did just not. Just the ten minute fight scene. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that fight scene is still happening somewhere. You know it is. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else on your mind tonight, Matt? Uh well just the other odd thought is is it possible that uh Philippa Giorgio could be a descendant of Hoshi? Oh. Okay. Okay, yeah. Not that uh, we jump the timeline on this show. No, we don't. We don't. I, I forgot, Ken, if you've gotten that far ahead, uh, if, how much of Enterprise you've watched. Um, I don't believe I've watched that much of it. So funny story. So just save your emails now. <laughs> I was actually doing like a hard rewatch of Enterprise, uh, wanting to go through the whole thing. And then uh, we started doing Mission Log. And I, I shut down my rewatch of Enterprise at that point because, you know, I had a lot of other Star Trek that I needed to start watching on a regular basis. So I can't, I, the Hoshi yeah. reference is lost on me, sadly. I hang my head <laughs> oh, in shame. Sorry about that. Hey, no, did, it's okay. Did, it's me. It's not you. I, it's me, Matt. I understand. I am finally making my way through the Babylon 5 series. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, we've, we've got Enterprise in nine years, and then Babylon 5 will start up in... 38 years uh, when we'll <laughs> after after uh, love boat and full check and, 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 and the guiding light and that's going to take 25 years easily it will uh, it but, will. but it'll be the zazz <laughs> that's right it will bring it meredith wants to know how long somebody can survive in space like that a few seconds i mean do you are we talking a few seconds are we talking many seconds i i we should actually we should ask a scientist for next week because I know we know a couple of people that we could probably call and find out. Generally right speaking, TV or movies give you like 25, 30 seconds mm-hmm. uh, before, you're, before you're just done. I don't know, though, because I also remember reading some stuff where they're like, yeah, your lungs just explode. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. 30 seconds really is far too long for that to happen, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Looking forward to Thursday. 
Excellent. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great day. I got a question for you, John. Okay. Lay it on me. Oh, well, first of all, we should remind people how they can get in touch with us. Um, There's the number that John said earlier, and I'm not looking at that right now. I apologize. But if you're watching on the video thing, uh, you can actually just uh, click on the Zoom link, and that'll get you a video call in. Or you can hit the One Touch link uh, on your smartphone, and that'll get you in as well. And, John, do you happen to have this week's number handy? Yes, I do. 669-900-6833. And if you're looking for that meeting code, the meeting ID is 802-848-691. So that is how you can give us a call or you can uh, you can hop on the old video thing, the, the thingy, the thing that's on your computer that allows you to do the video. The old video thing. The old yes. video thing. Just like just the, the way. Mm-hmm. Just like the settlers did. Yeah, I was going to say just the way mom used to make, but either or is fine. Right. Um, here's a question I have for you. What do you make of Burnham telling Saru that there were no Kelpians on the Shenzo? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so obviously we meet Mirror Saru on right. the Shenzo, and right. he has no name, and right. he is a slave. Right. Um, and, and that is horrific. Um, and maybe, uh, well, not maybe she, she's clearly trying, trying to protect his feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think because it's unnecessary information or do you think it's because he would try to do something about it? I mean, it didn't occur to me until I asked you the question, but they're actually both doing the exact same thing at the same time. It's quite possible that she just doesn't want to knock him off his game because maybe he would mm-hmm. feel bad about what his people are. He is acting captain of the discovery at that yeah. point. So probably what he doesn't need to hear is, yeah, really, your race is, is a race of slaves. He's doing the same thing, though, at the same time when they decide not to tell her about Culber. It's quite possible that maybe eventually she'll yeah. tell him. And it's just, you know, now's not the time because he's got something really important that he has to do and he doesn't need that distraction. Yeah. Because that is basically what um, what they decide for her as well, as far as uh, as far as telling about Culber. Holy, by the way, can I bring up one other thing really quickly? Sure. So all the time that Stamets has been mumbling about the forest and the trees and I can almost see him, mm-hmm. he's talking about himself, right? He's talking about mirror him. It seems like it. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Yeah, that's all uh, I got. There's nothing okay. deeper there. It was just like it was kind of amazing to hear that to, to see him come across himself there, and and actually for the Terran Empire Stamets to be like, ah, good, finally, let's get down to it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, uh, by the way, going back to your uh, Saru question, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think that uh, we we were introduced to the idea that Saru, given the opportunity to be emotionally compromised, is not a guy that you want emotionally compromised around you. That's true. From him on Pavo, he's a guy that you really can't mess with. He's strong. He's fast. And boy, when he sets his mind to something, uh, watch out. So. Yeah, passing along that little bit of information like, uh, yeah, you're a slave over here. Um, that might derail the whole, <laughs> the whole mission. Yeah. Um, there was one other thing, too, that um, it was brought up earlier, uh, the statements that, uh, that, um, that Saru made to Vok about 
we're still going to be Starfleet. We're still going to treat you humanely. We're still going to treat you well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a fantastic line that he uttered, and it, it was just blown past. It wasn't anything that we hung on very long. Um, an oppressive regime is by nature a fearful regime. Yes. That's, 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 a, that's a, just a bonk, bonk on the headline. Absolutely. Yep. And yep. one that I, that I really appreciated you know, hearing stated. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up in the cool of the Terran universe. Although I don't think it's going to happen so much this time because they really are terrible, but man, they're flashy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be really to have it driven home, it's like, no, these guys are terrible. Like I remember when you and I talked in mirror, mirror, was it mirror, mirror? Mm-hmm. That's the one with the, uh, with the, uh, with the mirror universe in the original series. That is, uh, um, I just, I couldn't buy their society. Well, it wasn't a society. It wasn't a civilization. It was no, just a system no. of rules by which everybody was going to be dead soon. Yeah. Um, this one is more believable and more horrifying, I think, as a result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, are you, how are you liking this treatment? Uh, well, like I said last week, I, I, I like the idea that we're, we're given something that is tried and true and familiar to Star Trek audiences to, to remind the audience like, yeah, that this is, this is something to remind you that we're in the Star Trek world, the Star Trek universe. Now, given that, the Mary universe is not my favorite thing in Star Trek. It just isn't. I I thought it was a pretty good episode of the original series. I thought it got reused a little too much, which is to say not that much um, in the later series. Um, Mm -hmm. So I didn't necessarily need to have a mirror universe, this go around with discovery, but given that they're there, given that they have committed to it, um, you can't say that the writers of discovery are shying away from any, contemporarily socially relevant statements in their Mm -hmm. scripts. They are handing it to us. They're doing what Star Trek has traditionally done, which is to say, look, guys, we're holding up a mirror to society and we're going to comment on social and political happenings that you might be able to draw your own parallels to right now. So holding, wait, holding up a mirror. See a, a shiny reflective surface can You just opened my eyes to so many things, mister. (laughs) Uh, I do actually have another question that I want to ask you in a moment, but we got two things I want to do first, if you don't mind. Okay, go right ahead. Uh, First of all, I want to remind people how they can join us. Uh, The Zoom meeting link on your PC or Mac is one way to do that. Uh, The link is right there above and below this video. Uh, You can also call us 646-558-8656 from your phone and then type in the meeting code that you see right there on your screen. And finally, you can use the one-tap form uh, from your smartphone and be connected that way. And remember, those numbers do change from week to week, so don't write them down. And for God's sake, don't have them tattooed on you because, gee whiz, <laughs> it's just the one week, people. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to remind you about really quickly, coming up after our show, we would love it if you stayed right here on Facebook Live uh, to catch the live recording of Priority One, another Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Uh each Tuesday around 11, 11, 15, they try to start right at 11, but you know how things go. Um, Elijah, Kenna, Tony, and Winters bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse, uh, TV and movie news, gaming news. I don't know if they're doing this this week, but the past uh, few weeks, they've actually been playing Bridge Crew and letting people sort of get a view of that, uh, which I think is kind of fun, too. So... Uh, around 11 o'clock Eastern, around 8 o'clock Pacific, every Tuesday night, live on Facebook. Uh, when we're done here, uh, grab yourself something to drink, maybe a little snack, and then um, 
head over to facebook.com slash priority one podcast and, uh, and see what the good folks at priority one have to say to you. <laughs> Ken, uh, more than a few people have asked us and uh, Dave has posed the question in the chat tonight. What do you think the mirror discovery is up to in the prime universe right now? Well, we talked about that briefly last week, right? Mm-hmm. Probably blowing up Klingon ships mm-hmm. is my guess, since they hate the Klingons in this universe, and that's really Discovery's job in uh, the Prime universe. So that would be my guess. I don't know, though. What, I mean, what do you think, John? I mean, I think, in, in, again, in, in the original series, they just locked up the mirror universe people because it took them about 30 seconds to realize, yeah, you don't belong here. But, right. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on what Discovery's up to? I don't know. Well, it seemed like uh, mirror in mirror mirror the mirror enterprise mm-hmm. crew they they were a, a little more unhinged. Uh, they mm-hmm. were just ready to kill each other any second of the day. Uh, it seems like this version of the mirror universe we're getting in discovery they're a little more orderly. I mean, yeah, Connor tried to kill Burnham in the turbo lift, and that, that led to possibly the greatest slow slow clap in TV history. That was uh, a really <laughs> fine moment. Um, but yeah, they, they seem to be a little more uh, devious, a little more uh, uh, careful, a little better organized. So I would think that mirror discovery in the prime universe, sure, they're blowing up what they can blow up, but, um, but they, they might be plotting, they might be planning, they may be trying to take over another ship. Like, uh, you know, go find another Federation ship, go find many Federation ships. They, they might be trying to, to take over. I don't know. A couple of other questions for you. Yeah. What do you make of Lorca telling Burnham that she has to go ahead and fire on the planet below? Ooh. Yeah. That's yeah. To, to hide the cover you think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's the reason. I mean, do you think it was just because he feels like their mission to get back to save the Federation is so important, which I find hard to believe if Lorca is, it seems like this whole thing is about has been about getting close to the emperor for Lorca, right? Yeah. That's why he needs Burnham here so that he can bring her so that she can bring him back and be aboard a ship so that eventually they can get close to the emperor. But then the question is, what does he plan to do once he gets close to the emperor? Does he kill her and take it over, take over the empire? Or does he, you know, have some other motive there? Because the other question I was going to ask, what's up with Lorca's smirk at the end of the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you, you did catch that. Oh, okay. I did catch that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of little details with Lorca that, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I hope everybody saw that. <laughs> okay, but so what do you think the deal is with him actually telling Burnham to go ahead and fire on Harlock? Because, I mean, he was, he was saying the least Starfleet thing, and this kind of goes back to the question that we were asked earlier. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there are Starfleet messages at the same time. Our captain, theoretically, Lorca, it's like, yeah, okay, well, we need to go ahead and kill all those people, though, because, you know, I've got a bigger, I've got a bigger thing to do. I mean, that is the Gabriel Lorca who actually, you know, destroyed his own ship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for what well, he says because he didn't want it to fall into the hands of the Klingons, although who knows why he really did that. So it's not out of character entirely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, well, no, it's right. It is not out of character. What do you make of the fact that that's his character? Yeah, yeah, well, it, it means that there's something more to learn about Lorca, and I don't know what that is, and I don't know if this, you know, we go back to the fan theories on the internet. Uh, uh, would 
a fan saying, oh, this Lorca is from this universe and he switched places with another Lorca and I was trying to get back and do this. Maybe, I, you know, we, we won't know until we see it play out. Um, but do those things add up? Sure. Look, I, I go back to that scene of him in bed with uh, Admiral Cornwell and mm-hmm. she's seeing that he doesn't have the same memories that she does. And then he's got these very interesting scars on his body that seem to have taken her by surprise. So there's something up with Lorca. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we, we, we have the moment where he over did the override on the uh, navigational computer to get them to the mirror universe, or at least get them to someplace other than they were originally headed. Let me put it this way. A few weeks ago, we asked in the poll, uh, Lorca, good guy or bad guy? And most yeah. everybody decided he was a good guy. Uh, yeah. I think I argued with um, oh, that guy that was messaging you earlier. I can't remember his name. The guy who was text messaging in the middle of the show. You know the guy. Anyway, yeah. okay. I argued with him because he was, he was pretty much under the impression that everybody was going to think that Lorca was a bad guy. My yeah. argument to him was everybody wants Lorca to be a good guy because we want our captain to be a good guy. Yeah. Is there any universe, this one mirror or some other in between where a good guy says, no, go ahead and destroy the resistance because we have our mission to complete. Hmm. Hmm. Is Lorca a redeemable character at this point? Is there any chance that Lorca is actually a good guy? Because I understand the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. There were many on that planet. Now they are few compared to the entire galaxy and compared to our reality, but really just like, you know, a few hundred thousand people. Uh, Let's go ahead and get rid of them because as Bob, the builder said, we have a job to do. Yeah. No, look, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question because we, (laughs) we, we simply haven't gotten there with Lorca. I, I, I don't know. Well, no, I know. Step away from what we're going to find out about Lorca. Can he be a good guy at this point? If he is willing to sacrifice hundreds of thousands of people to do what he feels like he has to do, can he be considered a good guy? Hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. He's certainly not on the same page as either Burnham or Saru at this point. Yeah. So, or yeah. Tilly or okay. Killy. Or I'm Killy. sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah. Either one of those. So, so perhaps not. Uh, yeah. yeah but, it, but look, here's the interesting problem with this show is that you've got, yeah, Michael Burnham's the star of the show, but you've got Gabriel Lorca as this kind of bizarrely intriguing and uh, uncomfortably charming character. Yeah. <laughs> that you're sort of pulling for and, and maybe that uh, the answers in that poll were that, that people wanted to think that he was going to be good or at least redeemable at some point, or his plan had some redemptive quality in it somewhere. But uh, man, are they just setting us up that uh, he is irredeemable? That that's, that's difficult to, uh, to wrap your head around. I see where you're coming from, Ken, with trying to find the heroes of this series. I, I don't think it's Lorca. Uh, I do yeah. still I, I do still lean back to the question or the the answers that I had last time. I think there are a lot of admirable characters in this, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe have to have to leave Lorca behind. 
<laughs> Sadly, we do also have to leave behind this episode of Mission Log Live. Before we do, though, want to let you know that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry, a technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks producer Brandon Bradley. Uh, be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest uh, from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Mission Log Live, which you probably know about, uh, Women at Warp, and Priority One. And we would, of course, like to thank Eagle Moss again and their official Star Trek Starships collection uh, for sponsoring this show. Uh, be sure to check out the Discovery Ships at eaglemoss.com slash discoverystarships. Starships.